Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I am thrilled today to be joined by a very special guest. I call every guest special, but I don't call them all very special because not all of them are official bestie status with me, Marcel Petipa. Not all of them I've shared a stage with and met in person, but our guest today fits all of those criteria. They are the CEO, COO, I should say, and owner at the Ad Girls, which is a very successful female-focused Facebook and Instagram advertising agency that does crazy margins, consistent 35 to 40% profit margins. And uh, we had a great conversation and did a panel in Toronto together a couple of weeks ago about a very unconventional compensation model that has been a really big part of their success. So with all of that, Courtney Tarrant, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. The Official excitement. Status. Yes, the, we it it was it was so much fun getting to meet you in Toronto, and I feel like it was one of those like step brothers moments where we talked for like five minutes, and it was like, did we just become best friends? And it was like, definitely. Yep. I felt exactly the same. I was like, we're gonna get mashing T-shirts. Like we are in it to win it. This is it. <laughs> we are, and we had a great panel, and we had a really good discussion. And the more I talked to you about the things that you were doing at your agency, the more fascinated I became with you and how you think. And I think, you know, there was also an interesting dynamic where you've probably heard, well, you said you've heard a lot of times from a lot of people in the industry that what you're doing is crazy. It'll never work it, that you shouldn't do it. And yet the, the proof is in the pudding. So I'm really excited to dig into all of this, but before I do that in your own words, what do you do and who you serve? Yeah, so the Ad Girls is a female-focused agency. We have a largely female team, and we help any sort of online female-focused brands with Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok ads. Um, our specialty is creating messaging that really makes people stand out from the competition. And so we have we've been able to scale our agency to seven figures for multiple years in a row now. We love helping our clients. We're really, really excited about what we're doing. And recently we actually started coaching other agency owners on how we do what we do because we've been told for our entire careers, myself and my business partner, um, for our entire partnership and for me and my entire career, that like this isn't going to work and that this isn't reasonable and this isn't how agencies are run. And yet we have an agency that get this, like we actually love running it and it doesn't rule our lives and we have crazy awesome profit margins. And so we were like, if we can do this year after year, like let's, let's spread the knowledge. Let's share the wealth. So we have that as well. Our million dollar mentorship program. Million dollar mentorship. Okay. Let's make sure mm -hmm. that we link to that in the show notes. So to plant yeah. a little seed here, the thing that you're doing that's so unconventional that people have told you isn't going to work, that doesn't make any sense, is a results-oriented compensation model. And what's interesting about this is this isn't actually new in professional services. It's a lot more common in other industries, accounting, legal firms, consulting firms, like partnership models often work this way, but it's very rare. Like we really don't see it in advertising agencies. And so 
that's probably a big part of the reason why, you know, all the people that have been around in agencies for a long time, they just haven't seen this. They don't understand it. And so they kind of were like, no, that, that can't work because, you know, no one else is doing this. And yet it does. And it does for such a fundamental reason. Um, what is this results-oriented compensation model? Where did you find out about it? Uh, what's the backstory there? Yeah. So my, the way that I've structured the agency in general and how I've always paid my team is inside of this results-based model where my costs stay fixed. So your costs stay fixed, you being the employee. So I pay them a set amount per account. If you do that in two hours or seven hours, it is totally up to you. It's based on the results that you create. And so I got the idea, I guess, originally. Um, I have both the blessing and the curse of never having had, quote unquote, like a traditional job. Like I never worked in corporate, except for one internship that I had while I was in college that worked inside of a results-only work environment. And for me, this honestly ruined me for the rest of my career on traditional jobs because the only thing that mattered and the only thing that was prioritized was, are you effective at your job and are you getting your job done? Are you creating the results that we hired you to create? That's what I was graded on. That's what my assessments were about. And I was only there for at this company for like, what is an internship? Like three months. Like I wasn't there very long, but I was like, this is the only way that work should be structured, obviously. And so when I went about starting my agency, I worked really hard and really diligently to make sure that my agency was structured in a really similar way where people could have a beautiful like work-life balance. And ultimately we at the beginning of their contract could set terms. This is what you are, you are responsible for creating in terms of results, in terms of um, your day-to-day activities. And I think it's reasonable for you to do this in X amount of time which would come out to a base pay of Y, right? Um, and from there, I just sort of started scaling. Throughout my scaling process, everybody told me I needed to start paying people hourly, that I needed to change my retainer model, that I needed to do all of these all of these different things that I needed to do. And I did all of them and none of them ever worked for me in the way that this, that this did. Um, creating a team that basically where my, where my costs are set in such like a really beautiful way, um, that just ultimately created more profitability long-term. So I know there's a lot of people listening right now that are like, their head is doing this right now. And if you're listening to me, my my head is slightly tilted to the side. My chin is slightly up. My eyebrows are furred a little bit. I'm like, like squinting. Yeah. This isn't real. This isn't, what do you, what do you This doesn't. (laughs) Yes. What do you mean? You can just pay people based on results. So let's dig into the details. Like give me an example of what the compensation model for a team member looks like at your agency. Yeah. So when we bring on an account manager, we, bring them on in this really specific way that also has like led to amazing team members and like amazing retention. Again, I've been through so many iterations of this. So I've had not amazing team members and not amazing retention, but we go through a pretty long hiring process. And when we give them the job, we offer them $1,000 per account that they manage. We have basically two levels. We have a level one and a level two or a part-time and a full-time account manager. And our part-time people manage three to four accounts and our full-time people manage six or seven accounts. So it, it gets to scale up with them as they want. And that structure, $1,000 per account is for the contracted time of the account. So if the client starts on the 15th to the 15th, 
The client pays us from the 15th to the 15th. The client pays us before work is done. I pay my team after work is done. Um, and they get paid for the calendar days that they work. And then inside of that, what they are, what they're ranked on is, is a system that we've developed that are objective key results, um, and key performance indicators inside of that position. So they are not necessarily ranked on the number of hours that they work. They're not ranked on, you know, like even, even really client satisfaction because client satisfaction is too broad, right? So for us, we're ranking those team members then on what is their retention rate month after month. Some of our like top ones are retention rate month after month, result rate of their accounts. And I think the third one is, um, results from client surveys that we send out. So that basically covers our, all three of the key factors of our reputation as an agency. And based on the results from those things is whether or not they get to move up from part-time into full-time. Um, and so they have to be efficient and effective at their job, um, in order to move up and we continue to pay them in that structure. If they want to go full-time base retainer, then we, uh, we give them a $6,500 base retainer, which would be six to seven accounts. They get slightly less, but not too much less. Um, but luckily we don't have an issue of like getting clients. And so we are able to keep those, our full-time people quite full. Um, yeah, it's kind of a lot, but that's, I think the most basic way I can explain it. It is and it isn't like it's it's really quite simple. You pay your employees a flat rate per client, and we'll mm -hmm. dig into in a moment how you arrived at a thousand dollars, what that's based on, how you work backwards from the margins that you wanted on a per client basis, and then mm -hmm. determine what you could afford to pay for each thing that needs to get done on a client basis. Um, but I want to round this out because I think there's also a retention bonus that you had mentioned in Toronto that yes. they can also earn for keeping clients for a certain amount of time as well. Is that right? Yes. I, yeah, I forgot about that. So we also offer after they have to be employed with us for six months. So it's, there's all of these things that are built on like loyalty and radical responsibility. And like, what are you, what are you providing to us as an, as a business? And like, what can we provide to you in return? Right? So if you're going to stay with our company, um, for past the initial six months, we will give you $150 per client per month that you retain that client past their initial contract. So for some of our people, that means an additional, I think like $1,200 a month. If they have great retention rates, which our full-time people do, they get an additional bonus on top of what their base pay is. And so it's, it's sort of profit share and it's sort of, it's sort of not right because it's, it doesn't, it doesn't change with our profitability as a company and it allows our team to be really clear on what those bonuses could be. So they get this huge retention bonus, um, for retaining those people. And when I look at my costs to acquire a client, I know that I can spend usually about a thousand dollars, sometimes a little more to acquire a closed client through my ads funnel and through, you know, it just kind of ranges, but I know that I will be spending at least that much. And this is $500 for four months. So actually my cost of keeping that client is cut in half versus going out and acquiring a new one. And while I, that could be $150 of additional profit from that client, as you continue to manage that client long-term, the cost of copywriting and design and like website audits, all of those additional services actually go down. So basically, I just reallocate that back to the account manager, again, incentivizing them to do a really good job and re retain their clients. So they're, they're getting paid based on that retention rate, based on that success rate. 
So um, before I, cause there's gonna a moment here where I'm just gonna get on a soapbox and talk about all the reasons why I think this is awesome. Even though doing this makes our entire business completely useless to you because you don't have to worry <laughs> about all of the complicated shit that people pay us to figure out for them because of like the, the so engineering. <laughs> no, I think it's beautiful because it's like, it is the purest form of what we believe in, which is like all that really matters is that you have strong delivery margin and that you manage your yeah. overhead well. And what you've essentially done is you've placed this firewall in the business where you've pushed that responsibility to your team. You've said, I, like, no matter what, my profit and loss statement is going to look good because I'm fixing that cost basis at the client level. And yeah. now it's up to your team to figure out how to be efficient and consistent and drive the results. And you don't have to worry about things like, well, you know, we'll talk about this in a moment, but you generally yeah, don't yeah. have to worry about things like time tracking and utilization rates and all of the operational stuff that, you know, we help clients do. That's kind of a pain in the ass, frankly, and nobody really wants to do it. Um, but it's really important if you're not running this kind of model, because otherwise you don't really actually know what it's costing you to do the work. So it's this kind of thing that seems so simple. It almost feels like, it's not, it's, it can't work. I think that's maybe allowed. what's so shocking to people. Yeah. It's like, it, it can't yeah. be that simple. You can't just give all this responsibility to your employees and have it yeah. not fail. And that's probably true for a lot of employees, but if you get the right ones, it seems to work. So, okay. I, I got on the soapbox early. I'll come back to it. What I want to work, what I want to work through next is like, how did you arrive at, because there's not just an account manager, right? There's sometimes other people yeah. involved in servicing your clients. So how did you figure out what you could afford to pay each person that has to work in a client team? How did you kind of work backwards from your margins to mm -hmm. arrive at these uh, compensation models? So I wish that it was like something really complicated and fancy and that it was like, you know, rocket science level. But really what I did is I, I went into, uh, I, at one point in my life read profit first, which I think like every business owner at some point has read. And I was looking at how much do I really want to make from my business, even starting at, you know, when I was making $10,000 a month as a freelancer, like, what do I, what do I want to bring home and how much can I afford to outsource? And so I know that I can afford for client delivery, I can afford 35% of my total costs. And that includes my account managers, my graphic designers, my copywriters, like anybody that I need to execute on ads, I use 35% of whatever the client pays me in order to do that. Then I earmark an additional 10 to 15%. And that number has changed as I've grown for what I call operations expenses. And that is really for you know, my admin team, my leadership and support team, like anybody else that really just like makes the business run. And we have incredible systems. Systems is like my love language. It's, it's why, um, I started my business partnership in the first place. Cause I just like, I just want to be in the uh, ops cave, just like creating systems and like optimizing stuff. So I love systems. I have really incredible systems in place. So our operations team is really like slim um, because we're so efficient. And so I have that extra 15% earmarked for that. And then from there, you go you go into profitability. And so really 35 and 15 is only 50%, but I have an extra 10% that sometimes like bleeds over. That puts me anywhere between 35 to 40% profit margins is really where I stay on any typical month. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I do it. It's just a percentage based. 
And it, so converting this into like the Parakeeto language that our listeners um, are familiar with, like it, the math adds up. It makes perfect sense, right? So for most people, you want a delivery margin of 50% on the profit and loss statement. Most agencies can afford pretty much exactly what you've described, 35 to maybe 45% of their AGI going towards delivery payroll, the people that do the work for clients. Mm-hmm. You're going to have about four, five, 6% of shared delivery expenses. So it's like, you probably have like some software that the team uses that you pay for, yeah. and that, you know, it's tools in their toolbox. Then you're going to spend probably another 20 to 30% on overhead. That would include the salaries, but also like you got lawyers, you got accountants, your QuickBooks, your website hosting, your salary, your co-founder yeah. salary, and then whatever's left over. And if, and if you want to get aggressive, which I mean, you are, cause you're a top performer. You're saying, well, I don't want like a 30%, which is what most people would target. You're targeting 35, 40, 50%. And so you're pushing up. So uh, your delivery margin on the PNL sounds like it's probably like 60%, which is like really good. Um, yeah. So all of these benchmarks that we talk about on the show constantly, like you just, what's crazy is that you intuitively just kind of work backwards to these things. And they're like, yeah. th- those are the benchmarks. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I just, I just was like, how much money do I want to be bringing home at this revenue level? Because I think that is the trap that so many agency owners get stuck in is you scale your business and you don't account for all of these additional expenses in the way that like, it's just like it becomes a beast and it takes off without you. And all of a sudden you're doing three times the amount of work for the exact same pay that you were making when you were just like a highly paid freelancer and hang on a second. Now I've got angry clients to deal with. And is this really worth it? And with our model, I mean, it's even built into our culture, but with our model, our team is responsible for those things. They take radical responsibility for the results that they create from start to finish. Um, and that is, that's like across, across the agency in general. And that is ultimately part of what makes it work. And you're right. For some people, we have hired people for which this model does not work. And that is great. And that is okay. But for us, our top performers, these are mainly the people that themselves have been highly paid freelancers. And they've thought about, toyed with the idea of starting their own agency. And maybe they tried it for a year and then they were like, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. I just want to be able to execute on like really great work. And they drop into our systems and I mean, the number one thing I always get when people come in is they're like, this sounds too good to be true. And then they're like inside of the onboarding process. And they're like, this is the most organized operational agency I've ever been in the back end of. And then they go into really starting to manage clients. Um, The first few months can be overwhelming for sure. We lose some people during that time. But if they make it through the first usually 90 days, they're solid and they, they get into a flow and they figure it out. And then it really does like like level out in terms of what it is that they're, that they're delivering. So. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. So I want to, I want to spend just a little bit more time 
talking about all the reasons that I love this before we start talking about, I think, some really important uh, prerequisites, like things that, because as simple as this is, what I know, and I'm sure what you would tell other people is that, that doesn't mean that it's easy. And yes. there's there's some things that you got to make sure you have in place for this to not actually end up being a train wreck. So the last thing I'll say about this is one of the challenges with growing a service business, especially an agency, when you're running a traditional compensation model is that usually you're going to make the most money when it's like you and a couple of other people and you're doing like three, 400K in revenue and most of that's going into your pocket. And then yeah. things are going to get worse before they get better from three to like 12 a lot of the time. Yeah. So your growth kind of has this like parabolic shape. And I call that the growth trench. You have to kind of go like go the, the way through that or the way out of that is through it. But for a while, you have to make these hires that relative to the size of your team are like a really big additional set of capacity that it takes you time to fill up. And in the meantime, you're subsidizing that extra capacity that you're paying for, but like you're generally not growing fast enough to like very quickly capitalize on it. But the way that you structure your compensation model, your payroll or your cost of delivery grows in the lockstep with your revenue. So you're, you're almost never carrying additional capacity that you're not paying for. And it allows you to maintain a consistent level of profitability through those stages of growth, which I think is like, it's really cool because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are either having that experience now or have had that experience of like the business grew, but I'm making less money than I was last year. And it's a lot more stressful and they kind of feel like, shit, was this worth it? Am I ever going to get out of this? And you will, yeah. you can, but it's, it's kind of this, the crappy byproduct of this industry. And a lot of times is you, you have to go through a couple of years of that before things get better. So, um, I think that's really neat. Yeah. And I, and I think that's not to say that there aren't still trenches, but I, in my experience, our trenches are not as deep. So when I'm talking about, you know, taking on additional expenses that maybe weren't like, aren't maybe just in step with where we're at right now, I'm talking about hiring leadership so that I can open up additional time. Yeah. Like, like, like support staff for my team that gets me Courtney out of delivery that those are the areas in which, you know, it's been sticky. And I would, I would say we encountered like some of those trenches of like, okay, we're going to like really do this. And the upside is, is so high for me in terms of my time. But additionally, I can make back up that profitability so fast. Um, and having the right person in that leadership spot has also been difficult to find. I think that's like with everyone, but when we found it, I mean, she is so happy. Our leadership, our leadership, we have two people in leadership now. The girls we have on leadership are just like literally so excited about this model, about what we're doing, about like our mission and that like they just like it, it just it works so well with the people that we attract. And I think this model is actually reason that we attract those people. If I can say that, that's a pretty bold statement, but I think it's true. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think there there's a lot of validity to that. It's it's inherently motivating. Um, compensation model and it and it does give people a lot of ownership so i want to i now want to shift gears to like talking about a couple of things that i think we need to go deep on that are prerequisites yeah. to this being successful and i have assumptions about three things and then i'd love to know if there's okay. other things that people should know about and those cool. three things are number one it's the the time investment required so so much of like the budget that's allocated 
the, the constraint is I have a certain percentage, but then the assumption is the amount of time that it'll take somebody to do this is about X. And so yeah. the question I have on that is, did you spend the time to figure out on average how long it took you to do those things, make sure that those were reasonable before you started doing this? Or did you apply the constraint and then challenge your team to figure out how to make it sustainable? Or was it a bit of both? It was both. As with as with all things with this model, this has been entirely trial and error. Again, because I've had so many people throughout my career tell me, this is not how you can do it. This is not what you should be doing. You need to go. And I that just like never worked for me. And so when I originally came up with the model and I was looking at my 35% margins, I had to change my pricing structure to be like 35%, you know, at $3,000 was like 500 or like, it was like, it was like not enough. And I was like, I know it's not enough for what it is that I'm asking these people to do. Um, and so that was the first thing that I did was change, increase my pricing so that I could accommodate this. And then the second thing that I did was really look at a contract length. So we as an agency have the ability to create such accurate predictions on our timelines because what we do is very limited. Like we are a Facebook, Instagram, TikTok ads agency. We know what our services are. We know what our services are not. And scope creep is like, is like Voldemort at my, at my agency. Like do not do not scope creep. Don't even talk about scope creep. Don't even think about scope creep. So like everyone's really, really clear. Clarity is so important. And so once we had that clarity in place, I knew about how long it would take somebody to execute on an account. Um, and I also have limits to those accounts. So for example, we manage ad spend. Managing $5,000 of ad spend and $500,000 of ad spend looks different. And so we do take a percentage of ad spend as an agency, and then we uh, allocate additional seats based on ad spend thresholds. So there's like there's some like math inside of there as well. But I basically broke down, this is how long I think that it should take you to my team when I first implemented this. And I was like, let's try it. And I had a small team of like four at the time. And they were like, cool, let's give it a shot. And they would report back to me weekly, like, this is taking more time here. This is taking more time. And we made some adjustments, but it really was pretty accurate. Usually about like five to six hours. Once an account is active, it's taking you about five to six hours to manage an account per week. When you're onboarding, it takes a little bit more. And when you've had the client for a year, it takes a little bit less, right? So, but we're looking at those types of metrics in order to determine that. And the really fun part is whenever I, in today, I don't actually talk about the hours that it's going to take you to execute on this. I talk about the deliverables. Here's what you are responsible for delivering inside of this contract, inside of this container. You are responsible for hitting our client KPIs, which we actually set for ourselves. So you should be able to hit those. You are responsible for retaining 75% of your clients past their initial contracted period. And you are, what's the third thing I said? You're responsible for this other thing that I don't remember what it is, but there's like, I have a whole list of OKRs, objective key results that my team knows they are responsible for inside of this position, broken down even as small into the reports that they're providing. And everything is just so, so super systematized that I put the responsibility back on them. Our number one core value is radical responsibility. And number two is radical transparency. So you are radically responsible for the results that you create, but you're also radically responsible for communicating if at any reason for any time you cannot create those results. And then we will call in reinforcements for you. You're not doing this by yourself, but you are like, this is your account. 
please own it. And for the right people, they're like, thank God. Like, I don't have to go through all of these other, like, I'm, I do this thing and you do that thing. And then it's like the, the position itself is designed for those like really entrepreneurial spirited people, um, that are like, oh, I get to decide how quickly I can do this. Like, watch me go. I'm going to do this in two hours a week and then go hang out by the pool or, or whatever it looks like. But they know the quality that we require, the results that we require. And like, we're all very aligned and very clear on what it is that we're delivering. Yeah. Okay. That's, that is a beautiful transition to the next thing, but I'll pause here for a second and it validates a lot of things that, you know, I think are important to acknowledge, which is where I've seen this type of thing go poorly is when an agency is just taking no responsibility for scoping work, for protecting scope, for defining scope. And they're basically just pawning their poor management of the agency yeah. off on the team and the team is paying for it with their evenings and weekends. And it just creates this like extremely toxic burnout culture. So the thing that you mm -hmm. brought up that I think is really important is, and by the way, the prerequisite for this is not that you have to have a clear scope or that you have to have repeatable chunks of work, although that's how you've done it. And you've clearly been very deliberate about that. And you have your shit together as it relates to the scope, defining it, making sure the assumptions are clear, making sure the team is supported in like, uh, you know, finding efficient ways to do things. This also works for abstract, uh, abstracted time materials. Like if you were leasing that team member out to a client for 40 hours a week, you could still have the same dynamic where it's like, we get paid X, they get paid Y, like there's ways to do this that don't require you to have a scope that you can put in a box. But the important thing is that those things are clear and consistent so that your team doesn't end up being basically like super overworked in this kind of a framework. So I think that's a really mm -hmm. good one. And then the next thing that you started alluding to is founder mindset. So you need to be okay with the idea that a really successful team member in your company might be somebody that gets paid nine grand a month to work 20 hours a week and chill. And if they're yeah. getting the results and you're profitable, that's the best possible outcome. And I think that there are some people that have a hard time accepting that kind of a reality, that that's a good outcome because they feel mm -hmm. entitled to the 40 hours a week. So talk to me about that. Was that difficult for you or your co-founder? Or do you have any challenges with that, either with you or your team? Or was that always something that came naturally to you? I mean... I, like ever since I had that internship, right? That was a results only work environment. I was like, why? Why? I just like, I hope I don't offend anybody with this, but like, why do you feel entitled to my time if I am doing a good job? Why? It does. It doesn't. I don't actually care if you do this job from Guatemala on the side of a mountain while you're getting your yoga teacher certification. If you can handle the work, that's on you. Right. There's actually like, again, radical responsibility is such an important part of this. Like you, you agreed to do this work. I agreed to pay you for it. Like how you do it is not my concern. And I don't, I, I don't, I want you to have a good life. Like that's part of the reason even why we have the bonus structures in here. Like if we are making more money, like, yes, you should be making more money. Our mission actually as an agency is to put more money in the hands of more women. And like, that includes us and that includes our team and that includes our That's everybody. Right. So I, for me, it was never, I feel so passionately about this, that like paying that when you are paying for somebody's time, that's actually what you're getting. You're getting their time. Cool. What is their time worth? It, it, it depends on how they value themselves. It depends on their own mindset. It, dep it depends on so many other things. I don't pay for that. I actually pay for your skill. And I pay for your knowledge. I pay for your wisdom. I pay for your experience. And like, 
if you can do that because of your experience, you can do this job in 30 minutes a week. Super cool. Love that for you. Go and do that. Like I am only concerned with the results that I'm able to create for my clients and the service that we can deliver. I don't think that you could do this 30 minutes a week because we have like required calls that you have to be a part of that's longer than that. But like, as far as your actual productivity time, yeah, like do live your life. This is, I am not interested in saying you have to sit in a seat from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. in order to prove your value to me. Maybe actually you do your best work at night. Maybe actually like you just are more efficient than other people and let me reward you for that. And then the people that last on my team are people that are really efficient and people that are really driven and people that value the same things that I value. So they will go grocery shopping at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. And like, that's cool. I love that. So glad you can do that. But we have like, we have KPIs inside of our structure that makes it reasonable. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And we run almost the same way at Parakeeto. We have we have standing meetings and then, you know, if you're scheduled on a client call, like obviously you have to be on the client call, but yeah. you know, our team, it's the same thing. And we have certain days where we're not allowed to book meetings so that there's more flexibility. Mm -hmm. And what I've found is that there's two things that I think are really important about what you just mentioned. The reason that that works for you is because the incentives are tensioned in this model where if somebody decided to slack off and underservice clients, they would lose clients. They would not make money if they decided to overservice clients. Well, like they're, they're the ones that are paying for that. So th there's tension that kind of naturally, very organically, like leads to an optimal outcome. So long as somebody has a moral compass and is able to take accountability. So that's worth considering is like the way that this is structured, are the incentives balanced and is somebody mm -hmm. going to kind of naturally be pulled to the center? And then the second piece that we found is our team really values the flexibility and they're turning down other opportunities or are really happy and are sticking with us for a long time because the ability for them to, I mean, last week, one of our team members, their dog ate rat poison on the sidewalk. Oh, no. He had to run to the vet immediately. And he mm -hmm. came to stand up the next day and just said, I'm just so glad that like, I didn't have to think about it. I just ran to the vet and I knew that you guys would be cool with it. And yeah. it just means a lot that I, I can be present for my family in this way because we have that kind of flexibility. And that is worth more than a little additional compensation bump or a fancier title that they might be able to get somewhere else to the right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've experienced the same things. And I will also say the opposite, like the double edge to that sword is we've also experienced people that like have taken advantage of it, that have gotten overwhelmed, that try to work four hours a day and actually can't like there, of course there's, there's two sides to all of it, but I think, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not sitting here saying that this has been unicorns and rainbows for the entirety of the way that I've run this. But what we have stayed committed to is like actually core values and the things that we value and the things that we want our team to value. And so we have one of the people on my team, this is like my most favorite thing. She like often goes through what she calls, she's like, just casually will show up on Monday and be like, I had another mental breakdown. And this week I'm in some other country in Europe. And we're like, cool. Sounds good. Like, I love that for you. And she's genuinely, when she changes locations, she's just so happy. I think it's just like a part of who she is. Right. And like, our, I think it's, it's actually about that. It's like you inside of any structure that you put into your business, you want to be able to value the same thing that your team values because that's how they're going to stay motivated. And I think that what this 
model allows us to do is it allows us to ensure that our team is really well paid, but it also allows us to value the things that they value. Like, do you value bonuses? Cool. Let's come up with a different structure for you in terms of bonuses. Do you value more time off? Cool. Let's figure that out. Like there's so, there's just a, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, inside of a model like this that has been so much more advantageous and so much more positive than it has been negative. Does that make sense? So the last thing that I want to talk about is what kind of people thrive in this environment and what kind of people don't. Because uh, I think that's the last really important piece that I want to make sure we unpack. Yeah. I mean, entrepreneurial people thrive in this environment. Punch the clock employees do not. That is, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it or explain it. We have, this might also be a polarizing statement and I apologize in advance. We have a hard time hiring from other agencies. I mean, if we are hiring a full-time person at one agency to come on, we have, I would say about a 30% success rate versus if we go with people that have been freelancing for a few years or people that have had their own agency, um, We also give our team bonuses, by the way, if they bring clients to us. So like if they bring us a client, we will give them the same bonus that we give anybody else. So if you have an agency and then you want to come and work for us and bring your two clients with you, like, cool, we'll give you, you know, a referral bonus for that. And our, the thing that they have to be driven by, what we've noticed that they have to be driven by is, um, is actually just like a deeper commitment to their work, right? Like you have to understand and know that, that what we're doing, this is for our agency. What we're doing is not just about ads. It's not just about media buying. It's not just about creating great messaging. What we are doing has the opportunity and the ability to impact lives, to change lives, to change the lives of our clients, to change the lives for ourselves. We have a huge opportunity. And I think that this is so cool about what we do. We have a huge opportunity to create like massive shifts in people's worlds. And so if you are coming here for a job, right? If you're coming to the ad girls to just have a job, you're going to like, you're going to probably struggle and you're going to be like, this is too much. And this is, this is like weird. And it's not, it's not how it's looked everywhere else because it's not. And it's actually designed that way on purpose because it's what really resonates with who I am and who my co-founder is like as human beings, who we are. And then we get to just like work with these really awesome, amazing people that, are they like, they love what they're, what they do. And they've got, they've grown past what would be a traditional quote unquote, like account manager at other agencies, because we do, we roll all of that into one. They've grown past it and they're ready to like kind of drive their own strategy and have more freedom and like have flexibility in their day. And if you do the traditional model, it's just really hard to provide that, but we can provide that in spades. And I think that's the differentiator. Um, we've had to change our interview process in order to pre-qualify these people, but it's definitely about the person that's height. That's like really committed to what they do beyond it being a job. And then like has a little bit of that entrepreneurial sprinkle, if you will. Yeah. And and so uh, that was going to be my next question is how do you filter for this when you're recruiting? What adjustments have you had to make? Okay. I will give you, this is like, I have spent so much time on this hiring process and I will, I'm going to lay it out as quickly as I possibly can. Cause I know we're, over time already, but okay. We start with a LinkedIn job posting. LinkedIn has been my most, like the best place to hire indeed. And like all those, it's not been good for me. So you start with a LinkedIn job posting. We then request a video 
response to like our top 10% of our candidates. And inside of that, it is shocking how many people will just not take the time to do a video response. And if you're not dedicated enough to like record me a five minute video, like I don't want you on my team. So that filters out a lot of people. In that video, I ask five key questions that are about, that I need to know. It's like, how much budget have you handled? Like that I need to know to be efficient at this job. Then they get a an initial interview with me. And depending on how that goes, they either get a secondary interview with our founder or they get put into our training. So we do a train a paid training that is two weeks long. And inside of that training, we actually have them onboard a mock client. We pay them for it, but they onboard like our our coaching program, they onboard that program as a client. And we tell them, if we're not sure, we tell them, this is a test. This is a test project. If you knock it out of the park, we will start giving you clients. If you don't, then I'm only out $1,000 and and you you have learned a lot because you've seen the back end of our, our system, which like is amazing. So we get, so that's, we go through that whole process. And then, then, and only then after they've successfully mock onboarded and gone through our whole training portal, it's like 16 or 20 hours of training. Um, then they start getting their first client and they are, have a 90 day probationary period inside of that. So it's really high qualifications um, and a high barrier to entry, but that's how we've, now we have like a 80% to 90% success rate with hires in comparison to two years ago. I think it was like, it was, it was, it was bad, like 30% maybe if people made it through. You know what's so crazy about this, Courtney, is we've never talked about our hiring processes. We at Parakeeto yeah. have the exact same process the video no. up front the video up front which i swear by and i get so much pushback from people they're like they're like no one's filling it out i'm like or like hey like like I, yeah. we got 100 applications only two p- people filled it out i was like yeah you only have to do two interviews isn't that great isn't that <laughs> like, cool that's isn't all because that they're the only people like, that make it through exactly and if they tell us they're going to get us a video by a certain time and then they don't i'm like you can't even adhere to your self-imposed deadlines like yeah. i'm not hiring you right like and the, oh my and the god paid Marcel, test project we is are a best must. friends this is why anyway, we're besties courtney i think it was it. seth godin that said i can't work with you until i work with you and like there's two things that i think are kind of insane about how human beings do things most of the time is that we buy houses after walking around in them for 15 minutes with a salesperson yes. and we hire people without ever working with them it just oh seems crazy gosh. to me yeah it is just, it is crazy, crazy. actually it yeah. is crazy and i think that the right people are so like are thrilled to be given the opportunity to be like let me show you like i somebody was like you know like hey courtney you can have this job but you have to like do it like halfway first and i'll pay you for it i would be like sold like you're gonna love me i'm so good at this and that is those are the people that we end up with and there are people that we get into the training process that we're like oh no, I'm so sorry. Like I, this isn't a fit actually, but here are the things that I always like to send them on their way with like something, right? Like here are the things that you would need to work on in order to like be really effective as part of our team. We value you. Like here are training resources. Here's free stuff that we've done. Like how can I support you in, in creating like the best possible outcome? And I think the other thing that people talk a lot about Okay, this is my last point. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll stop. But the last thing that people talk about in this model is they're like, well, aren't you worried? Like you're, you're having all these ex-agency owners and like freelancers and aren't you worried about them taking clients from you? First of all, I don't believe in competition. But if my agency can be a launch pad for other people to go and pursue their dreams, then thank you so much for the opportunity. 
Like that is so amazing to me. I I love that. I think it's so brilliant. It's again, just like more of that abundance mindset, but our, our people, they, they're, who was it? Somebody said, make sure your team is so well-trained. They could work anywhere, but treat them so well that they don't want to. I don't know who said that. Maybe Elon Musk. I'm not really sure. Don't quote me, but either way, that's what I try to do is I try to make sure that our people are so highly trained. We get them continued education and like, they just, they stay cause they actually love it. They stay cause they actually want to be here. Um, and I think that this model just like makes us partners in that, you know, like even when people are trying to give me notice, some, I had a girl once try to give me six months notice. She was like, I think in the next six months, I want to start my own agency and really go out on my own. And I was like, great. Let's figure out how to do that for you. How can I teach? How can I support you? How can I help you make that happen? And those are the kind of conversations that I get to have on a daily basis with my team, which I just adore. Well, Courtney, I, I've, I wish we had more time. I wish, I and I'm sure the I'm audience sorry. listening, they're 43 minutes into this thing and they're like, what do we really, do we have to end it? But I want I to, I want to get on a, a last little soapbox and then, and then give everybody some places that they can go connect and learn more from you. So those of you that are listening to this, like clearly this is unconventional and most of you will not do this. And most of you probably shouldn't do this. But what I think is really important about this conversation, why I was so excited to have you on the show, Courtney, is because there are principles that just fundamentally make sense all throughout this compensation model. And there are pieces that people can take away and rethink and make small shifts in how they're thinking, how they're doing things in the business that are based on principles that are just timeless in this business model, the delivery margin, thinking about how you allocate capital by working backwards from your net profit target. Like these are things that regardless of how you compensate people, how you charge, how you bill, how your organization is structured are good practices. And I think a lot of the stuff that we've talked about around having clarity about things like scope, having clarity around what motivates your team having clarity around what the kind of right fit is and adjusting your hiring motion, the mindset you have to have as a founder. So I've just really enjoyed our conversation. And despite the fact that if everybody that listens to this does go out and do your pricing model, it will largely invalidate my business. At the end of the day, I just want to see everyone be profitable. And however they get there, that's cool with me. So with that, Courtney, where can people go and follow you, learn more from you and get more of you in their life? Yes, you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn. I think it's the same, Courtney.Tarrant. Um, and then theadgirls.com. And if you're interested in agency mentorship, theadgirls.com slash MDM. So million dollar mentorship, MDM. Theadgirls.com slash MDM. So we'll have links to uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, the ad girls, the MDM uh, coaching program, all in the show notes. So scroll down and check that out. And with that, Courtney, thank you so much for being a friend, a best friend, and a for being friend. on the show today. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much for having me. I had like the best time. And with that, everyone listening, let us know wherever you're listening to this, what you got from the episode. We always love hearing from you. Comments, feedback, insights, let us know, and we'll see you on the next Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. 
With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.
episode.